just a game for two Two in love can make it Take my heart and please don't break it Love was made for me and you Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, and strengthening, praying for healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Today's program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wayne Scott, right next to the East Hampton Airport. Under the leadership of Senior Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly, Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service time of prayer at 9.30. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. Our special guest today is Dr. Emerson Egerich. Dr. Egerich is an international known public speaker on the topic of male and female relationships based on over three decades of counseling and biblical research. Dr. Egerich developed the Love and Respect Conference that has been a life-changing event resulting in the healing and restoration of countless relationships. Dr. Egerich and his wife Sarah live in Grand Rapids, Michigan and have three adult children and he's the founder and president of Love and Respect Ministries in Grand Rapids. Today, Sandy's going to talk with Dr. Eggerich about his national best-selling book, Love and Respect, Love and his newest book, is Love and Respect in the Family, that was just published this month by the W Publishing Group. This newest book is a fresh look at the meaning of love and respect. You can learn more about these valuable resources on love and respect and get the details for his up-and-coming Love and Respect conference at www.loveandrespect.com. That's www.loveandrespect.com. Good morning, Dr. Egerich. How are you this morning? In your book, Love and Respect, you claim to have discovered a secret that can revolutionize any marriage. What is it? Well, the University of Washington uh, studied 2,000 couples for 20 years, and they said, we now know the two key ingredients for successful marriages, love and respect. And, Sandy, what I find fascinating is that uh, the Bible said that 2,000 years ago in Ephesians 5.33, which is uh, the greatest treatise in the New Testament on marriage, Ephesians 5, one of the books of the Bible. And that last verse, verse 33, is the summary where it says a husband must love his wife and a wife must respect her husband. Now there's controversy on the idea of respecting a man. In fact, women will say to me, Dr. Emerson, I don't feel any respect for him. It'd be hypocritical for me to show it when I don't feel it, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. He's not superior to me. I'm not inferior to him. You know, he hasn't earned the respect. He doesn't deserve it. I'm not going to feed his ego and narcissism, nor am I going to give him license to do what he wants to do. I'm not going to return to male patriarchy and fear male dominance. I'm not going to be a doormat subjecting myself to emotional abuse. I'm not going to lose a sense of myself and identity. But other than these things, I'm really open <laughs> to hearing what you have to say about this. And so we have a huge disconnect because every man listening knows that we as men serve and die for honor. We throw ourselves on a hand grenade. 
yeah. we're highly motivated by honor, uh-huh. and yet uh, there is a real misunderstanding, I think, between men and women on this point. But we discovered a correlation. When a woman feels unloved, she tends to react in a way that feels disrespectful to her husband. Uh-huh. When a husband feels disrespected, he tends to react in a way that feels unloving, and thus the crazy cycle without love. Uh, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love, and can right. spin out of control among people of goodwill. In fact, we've asked 7,000 people this question. When you're in conflict with your spouse or significant other, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? Sandy, 83% of the men said they feel disrespected. Right. 72% of the women say they feel unloved. Well, what can and, they do to get off this crazy cycle? Well, I think one is to understand that though we all need love and respect equally, for that woman out there saying, well, I need respect, right. absolutely, and he needs love. But the felt need during conflict is as different as pink is from blue. So the first thing is to not fear, quote, quote, a stereotypic thinking. The research bears this out, that he filters it through the love grid. Not the least of reasons is that he knows she loves him. Women love by nature. You have to wound a woman at the level of intimacy to get her to stop loving uh-huh. So you have this woman who does love him, unless she says, I don't love him. Right. So when they're in a conflict, he doesn't think, you don't love me. He thinks, you don't like me. And uh-huh. she honestly says, I don't like you. In fact, I love you, but I don't respect you. And, of course, that's comparable to him saying, I respect you um, a great deal, especially since you got your old man's inheritance. <laughs> but I don't love you, woman. Never have loved you. Don't love you now and have no intentions of ever loving you. And every woman would say she'd be devastated by that, and she'd perhaps never get over it. And we're making the point that when you communicate, you don't respect who the man is. We're not talking about respecting bad behavior. Right. We're talking about when you appear as though you despise who he is, you'll lose his heart. No man feels fond feelings of love and affection in his heart toward a wife he thinks despises who he is as a human being. But to your question, when we get on that crazy cycle, we have yes. to decode. And we have to ask ourselves, um, Am I going to trust the heart of my spouse, or did I marry Hitler's distant cousin? Right. Or will I trust that even though she's reacting in a way that feels disrespectful to me, that's not her goal. She's not trying to offend me. She's actually seeking reassurance that I love her, and that's why she's negatively reacting. And she so you have to, to decode that. and do fuse, right? That, well, yes. The, uh, we have a book now out on love and respect in the family, and we address there the importance of diffusing as well. But... Yes, exactly. In the uh, marriage dynamic there, she has to come to a point as well, will I trust his heart? This man would literally die for me. And Jesus said, no greater love is a man than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. So this man is very loving, but he's not as sentimental or sensitive. And so she has to make a decision. Even though he's reacting in a way that feels unloving to me, did I say or do something earlier that felt disrespectful to him? You know, many women say, my husband's bipolar. You know, we're having dinner, and he's in a chipper mood, and then within 10 minutes, he is depressed. And I say, well, did you say or do something that in his world felt disrespectful, that there was some comment that belittled him or made him feel like he wasn't good enough? And she's, well, yeah, I was upset with him, but he should know I didn't mean it. And so some of this behavior is clearly explained, but we've removed the male's feelings from the marital radar screen in our attempt to understand women. And so we're appealing to both men and women to trust the other, that they are not trying to be unloving or disrespectful, but many cases are feeling unloved and disrespected right. in the first what place. makes a husband always feel disrespected? Are there certain things? Well, certainly um, the University of Washington said that when women are upset, their eyes darken, their face turns sour, the hand on the hip, 
the scolding finger comes out, the sigh, the roll into the eyes, the head goes back, and when estrogen kicks in, the word choice of contempt is incredible. And so these are gestures of contempt and disrespect to a man. Right. Now, every woman watching that woman says, well, I know why that sweet thing is reacting that way. She's hurting, and she's trying to get a message to him that she's upset, and she's expecting him to know that. But in the, it's a very simple thing. We always ask women, how many of you have sons? And if that sweet daughter-in-law, who is full of love, comes across to your baby boy in the same way you come across to your husband, is your boy going to discern that and decode that? He's probably going to personalize it, particularly if she talks to him in a way that no one talks to him. If no one talks to him the way the sweet daughter-in-law talks to him, then he's going to think she's using this topic as an opportunity to send a message to him that she doesn't like who he is as a human being. He's not good enough. And also, women do love at the level of intimacy more than men do. The Bible does not command a wife to agape love her husband. That's that unconditional godlike love. But he does command the husband to do that. So I remember asking the Lord one time, you know, why have you not commanded women to love like that? Because I put it within their nature. You know, I'm not going to command them to do what I created them to do. So during these conflicts, men tend not to, as I said earlier, believe the woman is unloving. He just doesn't think she respects him particularly if she says she doesn't, right, and that's where she, she begins gets, to lose his heart. Right, or if she gets into some of those areas where he, because he's a man of honor, like you said, wants to provide uh, for the family and his wife, and if she makes any complaint or criticizes his work or puts him down regarding his job or how much he makes, etc., that is a a really soft spot, isn't it? Well, it is, and this is what we have to uh, realize, is that he has vulnerabilities where she doesn't, and she has vulnerabilities where he doesn't. I mean, by way of a moral equivalency, if he said, you know, I really, I'm really disappointed in your mothering. I am profoundly disappointed that you're not providing for our children what I think most mothers would provide. I mean, what she would feel on the heels of that comment is what a man can feel on the heels of the comment. You know, you're not providing for us. I think you're inadequate. You know, I really don't right. respect you for this. And now the difference, of course, women will break down and cry, and there will be an empathy given to her, and you'll know immediately that she is hurting, and that statement just stabbed her. Right. Men don't break down and cry. They get angry and go off by themselves, which then reinforces that he's egotistical in the opinion of many. And so one of the things we have to do is realize he's going to deflate over issues that don't bother her, and she's going to deflate if he buys her a a diet book, <laughs> she's going to react. <laughs> right. You know, even though he could be into health issues and just say, hey, it's no big deal. And it's not to him, right. but it is to her. And we've coached men today, you don't touch certain things with a woman because she's sensitive to that. Right. But we haven't done a good enough job in explaining why men deflate. But we all come to a point then where we have to say to ourselves, am I going to dismiss my child, or excuse me, dismiss my uh, spouse as childish, or trust that they have a vulnerability where I have natural strengths? Or am I going to judge them and tell them to grow up and roll my eyes in response to them deflating. Because what happens at that moment is that they end up reacting to us in a way that feels offensive. And uh-huh. we're sitting there thinking, wait, this is no big deal. And now you're, you're reacting to me as though I'm, I'm a horrible, rotten person. So then we react to that. And so that's what spins that crazy cycle into the next you know, galaxy. Right. You talked about the pink and blue and the differences, as we know, there are in men and women. Uh, It's interesting, but you talked about the women so easily crying, and we should let them cry, shouldn't we? 
And, oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, that's that empathy and sensitivity in women. Now, you know, I think some men feel that women are using that as a way of uh, manipulation, but very rarely. Right. I mean, that, that sensitivity that manifests itself in those expressions is the very thing that's going to motivate her to stand by your wheelchair after you've had a stroke. I say to the men, you know, you, you need to understand that that overly sensitive woman will be by your bedside caring for you moment by moment. And so we, we've got to be cautious here. And that's the same thing that burdens her for the kids, you know. And, yes, yeah, she seems to be always worried, but that's rooted in her care. It's rooted in her concern. That's right. And we've got to trust her heart, even though at times she turns on us and makes us feel like we're insensitive and unloving. Uh huh. What do you um, What do you think a woman needs in communicating with her husband, aside from, as the Word of God says, a gentle and quiet spirit? We have to look for that respectful tone of voice, right? Your book says. And a respectful yeah. countenance, as you mentioned before. And we should even go do respectful thoughts, right? Well, yeah, and that, it seems so foreign to women when we hear that. It, it makes them feel like they're, you know, being something that they're not, and they're uh -huh. being dishonest with themselves. But I always say, well, let's just step back. Is any human being designed to respond to contempt or what appears to be contempt? Right. The answer to that is unequivocally no. No person responds to rudeness or what is perceived to be. Now, what's happened is that when women are upset, they don't feel like they're trying, per se, to be disrespectful. And so they expect him to know their heart. That's why women will always say, he should know that I didn't mean it. Right. And, and women also say, I don't know what respect is. And I say, well, do you know what disrespect is? And they say, oh, yeah, I got that down. Right. So women know, but they just think it's marginal and that he shouldn't take up offense because it's really her way of motivating him to be more loving and more sensitive. But even uh, not even putting on respect in the way you just described it, I say it's easier than that even. Just simply say to him when you're upset, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to dishonor you. I know right. you'd literally die for me if I don't kill you first. <laughs> but I, how do I say this in a way that you don't think I'm using this topic as an opportunity to send you a message? I don't like who you are. I want to stay on topic. I'm mad and I'm upset. But how do I talk to you without you deflating on me because you think I'm trying to put you down when I'm not? I need right. your strength. Yeah, that's See, so he, good to bring forth the idea that we are responsible, as your book says, um, that we are responsible for our responses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but isn't it easier to make you responsible for my responses? <laughs> <laughs> we all want to say to the other person, I'd be happy if you were perfect. And, yeah. But we know as adults that's really not so. But, yeah, but even here, I'm, uh, yes, my response is my responsibility, one of the points that we teach. But right. to the point I was making earlier, when people say, well, you know, I've got to put on respect, you know, I've got to just be, a, you know, kind of mechanical about this and, uh, and all that, you can get very emotional negatively as long as you use the vocabulary words that men hear. Men speak the honor code. And right. when you let him know that you're not using this topic as an opportunity to violate his honor, and you just say, I don't know how to do this. I'm probably going to say this in a way that feels disrespectful, but that's not where my heart's at. Will you trust me? He'll soften, and he'll move toward uh -huh. you. This is where we've not coached women well enough, or we've somehow said to them, don't even use that language. You're going to be downgraded. Well, that's silly. It's effective. In the same way, is a man downgraded if he says, I don't know how to do this loving thing? You know my family of origin? You know the anger my dad had? I want to be loving, but I don't know how to do it. But this right. is the third time you backed into the garage, and you're costing me money, woman. <laughs> right. 
Anyway, successful couples, what do you think is the difference between successful couples and unsuccessful couples? One of the prime things. Well, I think that's an excellent question. One of the points we make is that it's not for lack of problems. (laughs) Many people think if we didn't have sex problems, money problems, in-law problems, child problems, cancer issues, that we'd have a great relationship. But we've found that these circumstances are not the cause. They They affect us. Stressors are real. But at the end of the day, it's me approaching these problems. If I do so with an attitude of hostility towards Sarah, we've been married since 1973, if I express in an angry, hostile way, what'd you do with that $500, woman? And then she deflates and walks off, and I say to my buddy, you know, if we didn't have money problems, we'd have a great relationship. (laughs) No, she can handle a loving discussion on money management. She can't handle that harsh, angry lack of love. No woman responds to man sexually who's harsh and angry. Oh, she may go through the motions, but her spirit isn't going to be into it. She's not designed by God to respond to harshness. So, too, woman says, is that all you ever think about is sex, you animal, you beast? You're sick. Okay, he deflates, and she said, you know, if we didn't have these sex conflicts, we'd have a great relationship. Well, you know what? It's not the sex issue. It's now your contempt for who he is, the labeling, the profiling. Uh And on this point, we're profiling men more than we've ever done, and partly is that, did you know the counseling industry cannot qualify for insurance money unless they tell the insurance company the person they're dealing with has a problem? So they are forced to profile Sandy, I get emails, countless emails, and I can almost read the profile. In fact, the women will say, he's been profiled as narcissistic, or he's been profiled as this. And there are narcissists out there. But the deal is, the counseling industry has to profile the person with a pathological problem. And, of course, once we start doing that, then we're going to see this, and if they don't act in accordance with it, it's just accidental, isn't it? Yeah. I think also that since you talk about unconditional love so often, that one of the prime things that separates the successful couples from the unsuccessful couples is that they keep getting up and dealing with it all. And no, uh, that, that's right. And I'm so glad you read the book. To please the Lord, our, they yeah. do that. Yeah. Because well, no, we you're, you're, you've aren't read the book relating I... right just for ourselves, but we're in a marriage to please the Lord and relate to him as well. And so and, we should speak and react to ourselves as unto the Lord, right? Well, we who are Christ followers, Jesus said, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Right. And uh, Paul picks that up when he's talking to the married, when he says to the wives, you do what you do as to the Lord. In other words, it's not about your husband at the end of the day. In fact, your husband's irrelevant. And uh, the same thing with husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. We are to do what we do in imitation of Christ. And we're all going to fail at this. There's so many times I'm not even conscious of Christ. I just react and I go into my default mode because of my Uh family of origin issues. So we're all going to fail in this. But the deal is, at, at the end of the day, this is not about my spouse. We who follow Christ, he commands me to love Sarah. And I could say to the Lord, well, you know all the divorce in her family. Emerson, wait a minute. Is this my command to you? Yes, right. sir. Did you do this out of love and reverence toward me? Did you do this out of trust and obedience toward me? Sarah's irrelevant. And we who are Christ followers, it's amazing to me how we've missed this. And at first when I talked about this, I thought maybe this would shame people. But, Sandy, what it's really done is given people hope. It's really uh-huh. given a whole new vision that everything they do matters, everything they do counts, because Paul goes on in Ephesians 6 and says, whatever each one does, 
This he'll receive back from the Lord. The New International Version says he will be rewarded. Uh-huh. And this has really impacted people in a positive way. Right. And when I first started talking about it, I didn't know if it would or not, but it does. Yeah, we surveyed 25,000 about... people, right. and this one sticks. Uh-huh. You talk about that rewarded cycle in your new book on uh, love and respect in the family, right? Anyway, um, what are the four keys to a God-ordained marriage, would you say? Well, when you say the four keys, right. um, or I some talk of them, more, yeah, like when me. you make a mistake, you have to be responsible for controlling your anger, and you have to feel and trust God to help you do that. Let Him be our strength and our weakness, no matter what. I love that you continually emphasize the unconditional and no matter what, like there's no escape. And you can do anything with the help of the Lord. Well, two points. Yes, the people that we have found who really do marriage the way God wants, they yeah. really do give this over to the Lord, and they're comforted by the fact that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit called the Helper. Yeah, the Helper is one who helps us, and it's not natural for me to put on love towards Sarah when she's disrespectful to me. I need the Lord's help, and it's not right. natural for a woman to communicate her pain respectfully when she's feeling unloved. We don't do that by nature, and that's why we're under divine command to do it, And because if we did it naturally, the, the command is moot. But uh, also, when we look at um, the marriage relationship and, you know, doing this unto Christ and doing it out of obedience and doing it unconditionally, as you talk about, unconditional doesn't mean we give the other person license to do what we want, uh, the, what they want. Unconditional right. means there's no condition that can get me to hate you. That's There's no right. circumstance that can get me to hate you. There's no situation that can get me to hate you. That's I'm going right. to love you while I confront you with your issues. Yes. Now, I'm going to fail, and when I do, I'm going to apologize for being unloving. We aren't right. going to do this perfectly. But unconditional has nothing to do with the other person. Unconditional means this is the demeanor that I bring when I'm addressing issues with you. So, too, unconditional respect, which sounds like an oxymoron, is what a woman does toward the man. But that doesn't mean she gives him license It means there's no condition that can manifest itself here that's going to get me to show you contempt. I'm a woman of dignity. I'm going to present myself to you in a dignified, respectful way as I address the issues that are unacceptable to me. Right. Another thing that's important, I think, in those uh, keys to a God-ordained marriage is uh, expectations that a husband has to fulfill all our needs. We really have to depend on God, not our mate, to meet all our needs, right? Well, logically, we know one of us is going to die first. Yeah. And usually it's the man. And so if a woman's identity is wrapped up in her husband, then what does that mean? And also, if today the, you know, mindset is that we are depending more on Hollywood than the Holy Word Uh for the way a relationship ought to be. And if our expectation is 99% that we're going to have one of the Hollywood-type movies, then we're not thinking biblically. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.28, if you marry, have not sinned, but you will have trouble. And that's important because it's what I call the 80-20 rule. 80% can be wonderful, but 20% a child may get cancer. We're not going to go to Hawaii on a honeymoon after our child gets cancer and dies. There are troubles. There's pain. There's suffering. There's sin. And the question is, how do we deal with that? And if we have an expectation that our spouse is to make me happy and that my campaign ultimately is to get them to change, 
And then I start, as a wife, for instance, showing disrespect to motivate him to be loving, then it really starts going down quickly. Now, the woman listening is listening. She said, but I've tried everything to connect with him. Well, I don't think you've tried respect. If he's a good-willed man and he's closed off to you, and 85% of those who stonewall, the University of Washington found, are men, uh-huh. consistently, they withdraw. Uh-huh. Why do they withdraw? Not because they're trying to be unloving, but because something happened there that they felt the message was, I don't like who you are as a human being. You're unacceptable to me because you're not as loving as me. That's how he's filtering it. That's not the message you're intending to send. So part of the unhappiness that people feel, Sandy, is that they haven't listened to Ephesians 5.33. They haven't proceeded by acting in this way that's counterintuitive, countercultural, but comes from the heart of Abba. And when they do they will find the relationship being far better than they can imagine. But at the same time, if I'm expecting my husband to be my Lord and that he must perform at a certain level to make me happy, and then he doesn't, then I'm going to curse my God. And, and his um, view of me becomes fundamental to my identity, yes. and that's erroneous. That is very much filled with problems, and you're going to end up having an emotional affair before you can say, you know, one, two, three. Right. How is love and respect in the family different than your best-selling marriage book that we're discussing now, Love and Respect? And, you know, we only have a few moments left, but I just think that your um, acronym, GUIDES, is so fantastic. Uh, G for give, U for understand, I for instruct, D for discipline, E for encourage, S for supplicate. In the one moment that we have left, and I hope we can get into this at another date, would you just say for a minute a few words on your latest book that includes children as well as the spouses? Well, I waited to write this book for 40 years until my children were adults and could speak back into it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I wanted to quit writing it the last couple years. But I had my Ph.D. in family studies. I did my dissertation on effective fathering. I could have written this book first, but I waited. It's just coincidental that the concepts of love and respect are there in that children are commanded to honor father and mother. In Exodus, Jesus quotes it in Matthew 15 and Ephesians 6. And then I realized in Titus 2, a mother is commanded to love her children and here I suddenly saw the two same concepts that had nothing to do with marriage. No child is commanded to love. No parent is commanded to honor. And suddenly, the crazy cycle. Without love, a child reacts without respect. And without respect, a parent reacts without love. And this thing spins out of control. And we've addressed how to love a child, which is the acronym. I looked at every passage in the Bible dealing with parenting. I'm not taking principles that could apply to parenting. I'm taking what our Heavenly Father has revealed to parents about parenting And the acronym GUIDES represents those salient concepts. But we're making this point. We are called upon to parent God's way, even if our children uh, are not compliant and even go off the rails, uh, that God expects me to parent. I just wrote an article that was picked up by Fox News, Why Biblical Parenting Has Nothing to Do with the Children. Uh Aha. Again, our response that is uh, our responsibility. Anyway, will you come back and discuss your I'll, new I'll book be looking with at us? my phone for you to call me. Thank you so much and thank you for talking to us today and goodbye and God bless just for now. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, doctor.
Now that was just tremendous uh, information. Um, we'd like to thank Dr. Egerich and the publisher W Publishing Group for our interview today. And as I said before, you can learn more of these valuable resources and get details on on the doctor's uh, coming Love and Respect conferences at www.loveandrespect.com. That's www.loveandrespect.com. Well, that just about finishes our program for today. Tune in next week at the same time on Faith FM. And uh, I'm sure that you're going to benefit from... uh, We're going to talk a little bit about sacred marriage. And sacred marriage is a tremendous uh, insight written by Gary Thomas. And uh, it doesn't tell you how to build a better marriage. It shows you how marriage can help you deepen your relationship with God from the patience of forgiveness to the ecstasy of lovemaking and to the history you and your spouse create together. So tune in next week. God bless you. If you want us to pray for you, just call in after the program, 631-725-3836. We pray for marriages in crisis. God bless you. Oh, it's for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than any. One that you adore can love his own. Fixed you up.